This month we are beginning our emphasis of dreaming and thinking about our future and where God would lead us as we continue to move forward as Highland Baptist Church. And I've asked some people to come. Anita Roper comes this morning to share why investing in the future of Highland is important to her. No rabbit chasing. Well, maybe. There we go. Why is Highland Baptist Church important to me? Well, there is certainly personal reason. My son Eli's faith formation, most importantly, as he grows in God's love to become the gifted and kind man that God created him to be. Highland is an important community in my life as I continue faith formation, especially with my fellow nomads. I have to give a shout-out to my class. To me, though, the future of Highland is far beyond my family and even each of us who call this place home. The future of Highland for me lies in the word relevance. To do this, we must have good vision and forward thinking so that we may be proactive, not reactive. My son and I pray Micah 6-8 every morning in the car on the way to school through call and response. Dear Jesus, help us to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And I lost my place. There we go. I have taught him from the time he could begin to understand words that the definition of justice is helping God make things fair for all people. Our community is well known as a social justice church. Our pastor gets lots of press. We are on the news at least every Peace Sunday when we hammer crosses into the lawn to memorialize those who have died at the dark hand of violence. These are fine things. But we must not become, we we must not let this puff up our ego or become complacent. We must gratefully use our platform to heed and embrace the future as we seek to be God's kingdom on earth. The city of Louisville, the state of Kentucky, our nation, and our world need us. As a family of faith, we need to be relevant. We need to lead as a faith community, responding to the questions, problems, and celebrations in society today. We need to live into the gifted and kind people God created us to be. We need to be reasonable, modeling how to live into the tensions of life without cowering into the corners of extremism. We need to show that sometimes it is appropriate to shout in the face of wrongdoing, yet shout without fueling a rapid fire of insults. We need to love each other and model how we can have a diversity of thoughts, ideas, and beliefs, and still reason together to find the greater good. We need to be the face of God, the voice of God, the hands and feet of God, reflecting the radiant light that broke into the darkness as the newborn Christ child has been born again. So, to even scratch the surface, this very simple task list, of course, it is imperative that our vision is sharp right now. Let us, dear friends, join together and make sure our vision is 2020 now, not in the hindsight of inaction and regrets. Let's plan, let's work, let's pray, and let's love in the here and now. Securing a relevant future inside these walls and around the world. Will you join me?
pray together. You are always wanting to show us the way and the truth and the life. You're always wanting to open blind eyes. You're always wanting to help us see more deeply, more fully, more beautifully this world that you've created. So today, may something enliven and enlighten our eyes so that we might see what is ours to see and do what is ours to do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, I brought a little visual aid this morning. It uh, comes from our dining room uh, wall. Uh, it is uh, a painting. It's a, it's a poster of a painting done some over 20 years ago by a California artist named John August Swanson. It's entitled The Festival of Lights, and I first saw it on a book cover, uh, a book by Dorothy Bass called Practicing Our Faith, and I was just drawn to the style, to the color, uh, to, to the picture itself and the story the picture tells. So I set out to find the artist. Remember, this was in pre-internet days. Some of you don't remember those days, but where you had to do a little sleuthing to find who was this artist and how might you get in touch. And sure enough, uh, there were posters that were available of the painting. They were $25, but I bought one anyway. Um, and really, I, I remember thinking, I'm making an investment here. I'm, a, I'm an art collector. Here I am. Um, little did I know. I love, the, I love the painting, though, the, the poster, because it tells the story of a nighttime processional of peasants coming down from various mountains and through various valleys, wearing their shawls and hats, each one, though, carrying a candle. And the candle causes each face to glow. And at the bottom, where the faces are close, you can see each face, each set of eyes, each expression. You can pick out all the details. But as the picture goes further back, as you move back into the mountain, the faces get smaller and smaller until the faces are almost indistinguishable. And then all you can see is just a little dot of light as people stream from the mountains and from the horizons in procession in this festival of lights. And if you look at it closely, you'll notice that the people who are in the back, who are just a little dot of light, that their light mirrors the light that you see up in the sky in the painting, little dots representing the stars, the enormous stars. They're millions of miles away, may not even exist any longer, but their light still makes its way to us. And there's a connection. And in fact, if you come up close and look at the the light that comes off of the candle, you'll notice that the artist has made the depiction of light with the very same little dots, little little tiny dots of of, uh, paint that mirror the stars in the sky. It's as if it's all connected. It's as if whether you look at it far away or if you look at it up close, you see that we're made of the same stuff. The stars, the candles, the people. There's this harmony, there's this mutuality, and there's this mirroring of light in each other that holds back the darkness in the picture.
I thought of this painting, of course, as I saw that we were coming to our Vision 2020 conversation and that the first of these Sundays would fall on Epiphany Sunday, the Sunday that we read again the story of the Magi or the wise men or the three kings, the story of how they humbly and reverently connected with nature, with the stars. And they're drawn by the light of the star amidst the darkness through all of the cultural and religious and national and linguistic and political boundaries and borders through all of them to bear a new message into the world. And I think it's an early sign for us in the Gospel of Matthew that this baby who is being celebrated during the season will ultimately grow up to be the definitive king of the Jews, not just a political king, not a puppet of the empire, not a king based on power or ego, but a king who embodies the very vision that God had for this world on the day this world was created. Harmony, mutuality, purpose, health, where everyone And everything has a place, and it fits, and nothing's wasted. From a teenage girl to the shepherds to the magi themselves to even old Herod, who represents the empire, all the way to the cattle and the stars and the very stuff of life, barns and mangers and gold and frankincense and myrrh, all these pieces come together. And nothing's wasted. As we begin this journey as Highland Baptist Church, thinking about who we will be in the years to come, we of course acknowledge this truth, that all visions have to be measured and calibrated by the vision of God for this world. What is it that God sees? What is it that God wants for this world? I love that Matthew begins his gospel immediately after the the genealogy where he gives Jesus his bona fides within the Jewish system. It's very quick then in Matthew chapter 2 to tell us this particular story about people from outside of the Jewish realm, from outside of this particular nation, from outside of this particular locality and incarnation, coming with who they are and with what they have. I think it's kind of a warning for us, a reminder, a gentle and careful reminder to the churches 2,000 years later to say, don't get possessive about this story. Don't act like it's just your story, that you have it right and that other people have it wrong, that you're good and other people are bad. Don't get dualistic. Don't get greedy and judgy about it. So Vision 2020 is not about our plans about how we're going to impress God. Vision 2020 is about being open to seeing the light. And following that light, that sacred light, until we, as in the picture, become the light. We join this procession and we invite other people, even if they're carrying different colors or different brands of candle, 
to come be part of this work of love in the world that God dreams for today. And when we do, the pieces fall together. Everyone and everything counts. If we're doing church right, there's a place for everyone. There's a purpose for everyone. There's a role that everyone can play because nothing gets wasted. And when we come together, what we discover is there's enough for everyone. Isaiah prophesied about this day of abundance when we'll receive the abundance of the seas, the wealth of the nations. That's not about churches getting rich. That's about the kingdom of God being done in the world. That's about sharing and generosity and equality and harmony. According to the Bible, from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, this is the story of God. A God of abundance, a God of harmony, a God, a God of light. The light shines and everything belongs. And life comes together in ways we never anticipated. We have no idea where this is going. Sometimes groups do these kind of visioning, but really you know where you're going to go. We have no idea, except that we're going to follow the light and trust that it will be revealed to us. Well, I thought of this poster because it was time to hang it again in our home. You see, our home has been under renovation since right before uh, Labor Day. We have not had a, a kitchen or a dining room. And in the past week, we've begun to put the pieces back together, and one of the things we had to do was hang the poster back up, but we realized that the poster's 20 years old. It's gotten pretty faded. You might notice that there's no glass on the poster. That's because I broke the glass when I I took the poster out because this is the kind of guy I am. I tried to spray paint the frame bronze rather than the kind of scratched up brass that it was, and Well, I broke the glass. So we decided we would get a new poster. But we wanted wanted that poster. We wanted to keep that poster. It said what we most deeply believe and feel about life. And so we got on the Internet. We found the phone number for the studio, and we called. And of all people, the, the artist, John August Swanson, answered the phone. He's 80 years old. He runs a studio of a whole team of artists, and their goal is to, to, to do art. Are you ready for this? For things like uh, refugees, to care about uh, black and white relations in our country, to, to deal with uh, poverty in America, to deal with sexism and homophobia. Those are the things that the, that the studio is committed to. Well, we talked for a while, and... He asked me, uh, what, what do you see in the poster, what, what, in the painting? What, what do you derive? Well, that's like letting a bull out of the cage, you know. We, I, I just I told the poor man. He said, I'm, I'm not very theologically sophisticated. 
And I'm not good with words, he said. I paint what I see in the world. I paint what to me feels most real. It's what I experience. Well, I said, posters, you've you've got a poster? He said, yeah, we've got a couple posters. We also have this thing called a serograph. It's actually, it's not just a poster, it's a a painting. It's a painting of the painting that they do. It's also called silk screening. He said, it's much more vivid. He said, of course, it's several hundred dollars. Um, How much are the posters? He said, well, they're still 25. Oh, good, 25. (laughs) But I thought about what he's doing with his life, what he cares for. He said, I sell my art to fund our ministry. About that time, Terry slipped me a piece of paper that said, remember that my mom gave you a check for Christmas. And I said to him, so if I buy your serograph, that money will actually go to help immigrants? Yeah, he said. I'll take it, I said. I took it not because I'm an art collector. I took it because... It shines for me. This picture shines, which is what we're called to do and be. That's God's vision for this world, that you and I be lights shining in the darkness. The writer of Proverbs said, without a vision, the people perish. But we could say, with God's vision, All of God's people flourish to the glory of God. Let's pray together. God, may we see what is ours to see. May we do what is ours to do. As you invite us into this work of love, we would give ourselves to you. Amen. Will you say?